Pulls it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five-star final, JCM Jones from the Mothership and DirtySouthSoccer.com. Tony Award winner Nathan Lane is still not with us. We're still working on that. We're going to get him on soon. But fortunately, Joe Patrick from 92.9 The Game, DirtySouthSoccer.com is right over there. Say hey, Joe. I'm proud to say that I still don't understand the Nathan Lane joke, but I'm happy to chuckle along and humor you as you, as you make the joke, Sam. So I hope <laughs> I hope that's entertaining. But yeah, I'm good. We were just talking before we launched the show that or before we started this episode that, uh, you know, we haven't done a podcast in about a month. And nowadays, a month feels like a year. <laughs> it feels like we need to catch up on what's going on in each other's lives. And, you know. Are, are do you have kids by now in, in the month that we since we last spoke? Yes, one is named uh, Tony, the other is named Lane. <laughs> Twins, nice. You're gonna get that joke eventually. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I'll have to Google it after after this uh, after this episode. <laughs> I um, barely get it, um, but I'm very glad to be talking to you about it at the very least. <laughs> um, we we had originally planned to to go ahead and do a show on Friday. Um, then we had some sad breaking news. Um, I'm sure you've heard if you are in Atlanta uh, that Hank Aaron uh, passed away at age 86 um and the reason we're talking about that on a soccer show is because um i I don't think there is any athlete in the history of the city that is is more iconic more associated with the city and more integral to the experience as an atlanta sports fan Um, so joe had to go cover that for a little bit um and for me personally i had to kind of collect myself have a good little cry for a second and kind of repace myself um but I, I do want to commend uh, everyone in the Blink family and everything like that for they go ahead and uh, retire Hank Aaron's number 44 on both the Falcons and Atlanta United and Atlanta United 2 for this season. I'm not sure if anything else is in the works, but drove by Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the first time forever the other night just because I kind of wanted to. And they had a the halo board lit up with Hank Aaron's name and likeness and everything like that and, and commemoration of that. So. Uh, sad news, um, but I don't know. I think it's um, important to to remember who he was and the impact he had on the city and uh, continue that spirit as we kind of go throughout the rest of the year. If I could just add one thing, uh, you know, I totally agree with all that. It's kind of, um, you know, when I moved to Atlanta when I was a kid, I moved here when I was like seven or something like that. And it's like becoming a Braves fan. It was just the Braves and Hank Aaron were just like mm-hmm. synonymous, like one and the same. And so it was kind of like losing a piece of. Um, yeah, kind of just like a legend, really. And I got to say, I was super, um, you know, flattered or uh, honored to have been part of this press conference that they did on Friday. The Braves put together having Brian Snicker and Chipper Jones come on and talk about him. It was just amazing to hear the stories and um, just evidence of what an amazing person that Hank Aaron was like. Honestly, most of the press conference was not even talking about him as a baseball player. Um, it was more about talking about him as just like a mentor and um, everything that he represented. So, um, yeah, it was a cool experience. And uh, hopefully everybody got a chance to kind of really cherish his life. And uh, hopefully everybody can represent him well going forward. So there you go. There's um, there's a quick hit on that. We just wanted to mention it. Uh, we'd yeah. be remiss if we didn't. 
important because um, again, like I said, I don't think anyone looms larger in Atlanta sports history um, than him. Um, so besides that, there have been a whole lot of other things that have happened in the, the month or so since me and Joe have last talked. Um, and a couple of things have already gone down this morning. Uh, Gabriel Heinze is in Atlanta. I'm not sure if he stopped at the Bojangles and Concourse T at Hartsville Jackson, <laughs> um, but I'm hoping he did as part of a player and coach hospitality measure. There was a uh, gosh, I cannot remember the name of the restaurant, but I heard from a fan who lived in the condo complex that Tata Martino lived in when he was the coach here. And there was a it's like in a strip mall, essentially. And there's like a restaurant in the strip mall. It's like um, it's just like some chain, you know, American classic American chain restaurant, not like one of the popular ones like Applebee's or Fridays or something like that. But mm. I forget what it was called anyway. Um, and he would like love to go there and just have like, a, <laughs> I imagine like a plate of like steak nachos or something. Mm. <laughs> so I wonder if that's what uh, if that's what Heinz is going to be feasting on over his yeah. two years here. That's how Martino remains a man of the people. Uh, and speaking of you, the people, we're, we're trying to get a bit back to our roots, I think, here going forward throughout the rest of the year. We started off as a show that was for the people, took a lot of questions, stuff like that. We kind of gotten away from that. But, Joe, I think we have some plans in the works to, to maybe revert to a, a Tata Martina era level of SFF. There, FS, there, there may F, be people there, there may be people who don't even F. know where like the name comes from, like the five strike five. I barely do. <laughs> <laughs> and you can up with it yeah it was like <laughs> the reason we came up with this was like to like at the final whistle you know to have the podcast and uh, we don't necessarily go directly after games anymore but um yeah, we're still just kind of playing it by ear, you know, in terms of when we record. We don't want to we don't want to force ourselves to put out a podcast. So just when we feel like there's enough, um, you know, news around the team, then we'll do that. So right now we don't really have a lot of contact. We don't really have a lot of news to share other than obviously what's been made public, which is why we're recording today. But as training camp gets going, as players start, we start talking to players and things like that. We will start to do more regular recordings. And then, of course, once the season actually starts, uh, we will be doing our weekly thing as usual. So. Um, and there we've got a lot more coming to you this year as well. Um, starting with this episode, we're going to be putting it publishing on uh, YouTube so you can see our uh, ugly ass faces on YouTube. Talk about this, <laughs> say the same exact words. Um, but there are some shows that I uh, listen to on YouTube as like podcasts. I just throw it on and let it play. So if that's your thing, uh, we'll be there for you. And uh, if you want to do that, just subscribe to us at Dirty South Soccer on YouTube. We do actually have a YouTube channel. So just subscribe to us. Hit the little bell so you know when uh, a show's out. Those shows might come out like a day or two after the pod. Uh, we'll try to get them up as soon as possible. But sometimes we do these things late at night and there's work to do. And so it'll kind of be lower on the priority list. Um, and there's going to be lots more coming your way. Hopefully we'll be able to announce it here shortly. We have some uh, some big plans for this year. So, yeah, it's all very exciting. All very exciting. New era of five strike final along with Atlanta United. Good tease. Good tease. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. I'm interested in seeing how this goes. I also forgot that we were on camera uh, for this one. So I've probably already done something <laughs> really stupid. That's going to get me memed or something like that going forward. Um, we, we should mention that uh, we're, we're assuming that training camp is about to start. Um, there has been apparently some progress as far as discussions between the MLSPA and the MLS owners, although they do seem to enjoy uh, taking some shots at each other in public. I think it's a lot of posturing and maybe not as much bite behind the scenes, if my gut is correct. But it seems like we're going to get a season starting at least somewhat on the normal time schedule 
right now the plan is still to get that started in March. Uh, we did have an announcement of CONCACAF Champions League stuff, though. Uh, we do know for sure when that is starting. Looks like the first week in April. I believe it's April 6th through the 8th. That round of 16 will start. And of course, Atlanta United, as you know, earned and gritted and just toughed Damn out right. away to join the, the four <laughs> MLS teams that will be participating in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, so we will be participating in that uh, with some new additions to the squad. Joe Patrick. If the Campionas Cup got us into Champions League twice, then maybe I have been underplaying the uh, <laughs> the, the merit of the Campionas uh-huh. Cup. Um, no, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like, yeah, I it feel like it's undeserved, but I'm not going to turn it down. And I think that Atlanta United is going to have a good run in it. I think that, you know, we were very critical of this team last year, obviously, but I'm very optimistic. I've been maybe it's just the optimistic mood I've been in in the last week or two weeks mm-hmm. um, just with it seems like things in life are generally slowly starting to get better and i'm just trying to embrace that so um yeah champions league final we're, we're headed there that's where we're going i haven't decided it's actually getting better or if the stockholm syndrome is finally, finally <laughs> setting in through all of this but it, you're right it does seem a little more positive um it also seems positive which we kind of get a little more news trickling in about some signings about some front office folks coming back to atlanta united and i think maybe the most important of all of them is paul mcdonough yeah. is back with Atlanta United and it's it's hard it was hard to articulate why it was important when he left it's somewhat hard to articulate why it's important at, but it is I mean we all know that he's a guy who is you know pretty much the best at what he does right of what he's known for in he's MLS getting Mikey Ambrose <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly um I you know I speaking of Ambrose just like the fact that he is on the probably like a the minimum salary so is Lissandra Lopez who we'll talk about in a second is also on the minimum these are the deals we're seeing right now players who are going to be on the minimum salaries or dps just because their costs in terms of what they're going to cost on the salary budget are known um while the the, these two sides work out the what's going to happen in terms of uh salary structure and all that stuff um but anyway to paul mcdonough yeah i mean i think it's huge i think that honestly not only is he the best at what he does but i think that his arrival puts carlos bocanegra back into a position where carlos can really focus on you know the what he's really competent at i think which is you know um his his I, I, I always got the feeling that Carlos Bocanegra was kind of like the leader of the recruitment. Um, and I was about it, to say, recruiting coordinator. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it seems like he was probably one of the ones who was in close contact with Gabriel Lainze, um, who, which, by the way, get with, bear with me as I try to pronounce that name right. Because uh, Heinze was stuck in my head for years. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that it just puts everybody in the front office in a more comfortable position that more aligns with their competencies. So, you know, it's obviously going to be huge for this team. Team. Paul McDonough helped put together the teams that Atlanta United fans have known and loved for so long. So, um, you know, the returns on that might not be immediate, but I think that mm. you'll just start to see the benefits of it as as this team progresses uh, for the coming years. What's obviously interesting about this is he's coming from Inter Miami, a club that perhaps didn't meet a lot of the lofty standards that folks had set for him. Uh, everyone was kind of thinking South Beach LAFC hasn't quite hit there yet, but I'm not quite sure that was Totally on the roster building. You have a coach who came in and seemed largely disinterested. Um, you still see Paul McDonough go out and 
get Blossom a Tweed A on a TAM deal, Tam, I think it Tam was. Yeah. yeah, not yeah. even a DP spot. And yeah. of course, bringing in Gazali Higuain as well. Um, and those two were not spectacular, but if you have the chance to work the roster to make that possible, you have to kind of take that chance, especially with what he was able to do those two. So it's not like he was sitting around and not putting together a team that wasn't going to be, on paper, was very, very solid. Uh, even Rodolfo Pizarro underperformed in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, their best player just happened to randomly be a Scottish dude named Lewis Morgan. But he still put together a really, really solid team. Um, and it just didn't quite work out. And he probably saw the writing on the wall towards the end of his tenure there. Knew what was coming. Maybe knew that a Phil Neville-sized cloud was about to be taken <laughs> over the organization. And I think he seemed uh, pretty willing to come back to Atlanta, which is good. I think it's yeah. great that, that you can have a break with someone like that and still have them want to come back and be a part of the organization. I'm sure they bumped up his offer sheet a little bit this time. They said, please, please, please come back. Um, and he knew that this is going to be a good situation in Atlanta and obviously see some potential here with what we're doing. Um, it also continues to be a, a wonderful pandering thing to the rest of us. who are like, man, I wish it was more like 2017. And then they go out and literally do things they didn't in 2017. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice, honestly. It makes me feel comfortable and warm and nostalgic for things of yesteryear. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, to your point, I think it's great that he's comfortable coming back. It just shows that Atlanta United is a is a place that, you know, is attractive, that that somebody would be willing to come back to um, after, you know, the circumstances in which he left. And, you know, I think it's probably like in terms of the, the title, it's probably a step down for McDonough. But in terms of the quality of life, the the um, success that the team can, mm-hmm. he thinks can have under him, which he's proven before here. Um, um, you know, I think that those are all step ups. And I think that the, at the end of the day, that's what matters. I, I I've shared this story, I think, a couple times, but I just do want to just say it one more time is one of the most heartwarming things I've ever seen as covering this team. It was after some game in 2018. I can't remember what game, but uh, after the game, Joseph Martinez, Miguel, Lo- Miguel Amaron were in the locker room and M- Paul McDonough came in with his kids and um, his kid went up to uh, went up to Miguel and like, you know, Miguel started chasing him around in a circle or the kid went up to Miguel and showed him pointed to the back of his shirt and showed him that he was wearing a Joseph Martinez shirt. And then Miguel started chasing <laughs> him around. He's like, hey, and he like started chasing him around. Then he like picked him up and. And it was great. And you could see Paul laughing about it in the back. It was just like, yeah, family club. Oh, so nice. So good. Good to see that he'll be back and maybe his kids will be back in the locker room, too. Who knows? It's a family club and this is also a family show. So I'm going to to warn anybody before I read what Joe Patrick has written down in our show sheet is the next topic. It says Heinze interview in La Nacion. What stuck out to you? Question mark parentheses. That's what she said. Parentheses, parentheses. God dang it. Um, so thanks, Joe, for, for clarifying that there. You're um, welcome. Yep. So in addition to having Paul back, uh, we also have the news that Heinze is back in Atlanta. As soon as that happens, though, we get this excellent interview at Lacion. It's a phenomenal Q&A. It's very, very long. I'm shocked how long it was that they just said, screw it. We're going to run the whole thing. Uh, we are working, I think, me and Joe both with a English translation <laughs> of yeah. it, which is a little clunky at times. But there are plenty of fascinating things in there from everything from Heinze's recruitment to Gabriel Heinze's personal wine brand and an unabashed cigarette smoker really yeah it was right at the beginning it was like he sits with his wine and his cigarettes um which i really appreciate but i thought it was a it's again it's really a fascinating interview uh everybody should go check it out we have a link to it on dirty south soccer in the story um and read the whole thing for sure 
I think the most interesting thing about it is just on a very broad scale, which is like how he's reckoning with not being a player anymore and becoming a coach and kind of the differences between those two jobs and the fact that he has to kind of um, change modes a little bit in terms of being a he's not he's not he recognizes that he's not like part of the locker room anymore as much Mm -hmm. as he wishes he could associate himself with that group. He has to kind of you know, keep some distance between him and his players. And I think that that's a really kind of interesting thing that I'm sure tons of young managers have to grapple with, especially managers who have been really, really successful players like Gabriel Heinze has been. So to me, that was kind of the most interesting thing about it. And he kind of talks about it in various, various aspects uh, throughout the interview, but thought that was really interesting and a good insight into just kind of the, you know, he's very kind of brash or, um, doesn't like give a lot to media, like in press conference type situations, but he, you can tell he really is like a thinker about a lot of these kinds of things. He mentioned the the media influence as well seems to maybe have some disdain for him. And I, I kind of get that. I think I, I'm sure that experiencing South American media and English media and everything like that for as long as he has will deter anybody from being too lovey dovey about the media. But hopefully we can be kinder. I think we're going to be friends. I think we're going to be friends. I, I am interested to see how he reacts to a lot of us. I really, really am once we kind of get going and get back to a, a normal situation. But none of it will matter if he's winning games because no one will care about <laughs> yeah. us. Right. So it'll be interesting for sure. But he was very candid in this interview. He seemed open. He seemed good in the press conference. And it, the most interesting thing that I picked up from the interview was the discussion about his recruitment. And we wondered for a long time about why we weren't hearing anything at all with this coaching search. Remember with the Frank DeBoer search, we heard number of names. There were lots of people being thrown around and then eventually DeBoer came out of the woodwork to to be the leader. With this one, we had radio silence for three, four months, it felt like. And it appears to be because when Darren and Carlos went to Einze, they gave him the pitch. He said, can I have some time? And they said, sure. And they said, we're not going to talk to anyone else, not to anyone else until this is done. So three months passed. They were chased. (laughs) They were... (laughs) <laughs> oh, they were they were celibate during the uh, yes exactly during the intervening time exactly so three months of, of that and eventually Einstein comes around and says this is a project I want to be a part of and I think them giving him that space and them allowing him to sort through things and not go after everyone else and said so that he was the guy from the very beginning is both encouraging for their relationship and encouraging for our perspectives mm-hmm. on them because we worried I, I think we worried a bit about just not hearing anything we wondered yeah. what was up with that and I I think I mentioned and I'll admit to to being wrong here, considering the circumstances, was that they should at least put something out there to keep us entertained. But if they'd done that, maybe, you know, they they screw up the entire thing. So I'm an I'm an idiot, as always. (laughs) But they did the right thing and they did the right thing. And they immediately found the guy that seemed correct, according to to pretty much everyone and hopefully will be. So uh, kudos to them. Kudos to Heinze for for not dismissing MLS outright. They talk a bit about that in the interview as well, that he was he has been disregarded a bit for for doing that. I think the the phrasing was that Heinze is going to disappear. And I just don't I don't think that's a proper reading of what this job has become and what MLS is right now. But I understand why folks in South America maybe not be as in tune to that right now. 
Totally agree. Uh, Remember, you can fail at this job and then go be the head coach of the Dutch national team. Yeah, you can do that. And I mean, this is a whole different conversation that we don't have to get in the weeds in right now. But uh, it really is fascinating to see the way that MLS is kind of, um, you know, their reputation is increasing. But that reputation is built on the fact that they are poaching a lot of talent from this part of the world. And Mm -hmm. it's only going to continue with this MLS with this under 22 initiative. What you're going to see, what I think we're going to see is MLS teams just hoovering up this young talent mm-hmm. because basically Paul Tenorio had some more reporting um, earlier in January about this U22 initiative. And basically what it's going to be is that teams can spend an unlimited amount on uh, acquisition costs for a U22 player. So like transfer fee, you can spend an unlimited amount on these three players as long as their salaries are below that maximum threshold that would make them a TAM player. So basically you can just go out there and spend a lot to bring in um, players who are going to fit in your budget and teams with the owners who are willing to spend, like we're seeing with Atlanta and Arthur Blank, you know, those teams are going to take advantage of that. And so um, it's really interesting. I'm going to post an article in the show notes uh, from the New York Times um, that who did it? Because I've got it pulled up here. I want to quote the author. It was uh, Rory Smith, who's their their mm-hmm. big uh, football lead writer. Um, talked about how the talent pool in uh, Argentina is drying up and kind of why that is. It's it's an interesting look at kind of what's happening. And Argentina is really falling behind some of the other nations or at least lost their standing of where they used to be in South America. So um, kind of it's kind of related to all of this. So I'll put that in the show notes for everybody to check out. Good read. Well, not quite a U-22 signing. Uh, in fact, the, the opposite <laughs> of that has occurred for Atlanta United already. Uh, but at least it's from Argentina. Alessandro Lopez announced officially today he comes in from Racing club. He also comes in as a 37 year old striker. He's like Joe said, he's going to be on the minimum salary and kind of feels like, like, can we call him a player coach? Is that what this is? I think so. I, I think that that is kind of what he's going to be. I mean, without obviously having that title or anything like that. I mean, I, I because mm-hmm. here, here's the thing, like he's 37 years old. He's clearly, he can play minutes, but he's not going to be able to play large amounts of minutes consecutively. Mm-hmm. So if there was a situation where Joseph Martinez, were to go down again it's not like Lissandra Lopez is the guy who would come in to replace him for X amount of games it would probably be an Eric Lopez or uh, even a Jackson Conway I would think would get like actual starting would start games before a guy like Lissandra Lopez but it's nice to have a guy like Lissandra Lopez to come off the bench I mean and again he's such a proven player in Europe he's scored I think 244 league goals in his career he's played in the Champions League he's he's won league titles with Porto with uh, Leon so um, he's a really experienced player who's going to, you know, a lot of these players who are on the team will, you know, be well aware of his what he's accomplished in his career. Um, they will probably have watched him um, growing up. So I think he's a great kind of piece to add. And certainly I think you get more utility out of a guy like Lissandro Lopez versus Adam John, who basically he's coming mm-hmm. to take kind of his spot in on the roster. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of sort all that out eventually if they do plan to to use Lissandro for real minutes. You know, if I don't think there's enough room anymore for for someone like John. And I would think he'd be the one, the odd man out here with Conway and Lopez coming in. Here's the, the thing with Lopez, Lissandro Lopez. I feel like we're going to have to say Lissandro Lopez, Lissandro and Eric and Eric. Lopez yeah. every, every time. So we need some nicknames. If anybody has nicknames, please send them to us the, that we can start using so that we don't have to use so many syllables. But um, I don't know. See, I, the thing with Lopez that kind of does um, confound me a bit on the pitch 
is that, you know, again, it comes down to Jackson Conway. I'm really high on Jackson Conway. Anybody who's kind of heard yep. me do the Lenny Knight two reports and I've been kind of talking him up all <laughs> last season. And, you know, he scored in that game against Club America, which was pretty cool. Like he like came right in and scored on like his first or second touch of the uh, he had in that game. Um, so like if you're looking at a situation where Atlanta United's leading by two goals or comfortably at the end of a game last 10 minutes, you want to get Joseph off. I'd rather put J- Jackson Conway in in that situation than Lysander Lopez. I'd rather just like have him be getting MLS minutes, you know, getting that experience. If you're lo- maybe if you're losing Lysander Lopez in the last 10 minutes would be the better guy to throw on. I don't know. I, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see who is the more effective player on the field at this point in their careers, whether it's Lysander Lopez or Jackson Conway. I know that that sounds absolutely ridiculous to say out loud, <laughs> considering what Lopez has done in his career and the fact that he was like, you know, we, we were talking to Teoto football about it. One of our friends who writes for Dirty South Soccer, and he was saying that he was an elite player in Argentina back in 2016. But, you know, that was five years ago. So uh, he has kind of dropped off since then. And it'll just be interesting to see what he can actually provide on the pitch. But even if he's providing really nothing on the field, I still think that he's a very useful player to have in the squad. Well, Sandra, not the only official signing Atlanta does grab a homegrown as well as a couple of draft picks. And I think we start at the homegrown. Joe, what can you tell us as someone who follows the twos way more closely than I do? What can you tell us about my chop Joel? Well, other than the fact that he's named after a really cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know actually that much about him, to be honest. Uh, if anybody wants to learn more about him, Greg Gowder, who writes for us, he's I think his, his avatar or his name is film fan uh, on. Yes, that's correct. On Dirty South Soccer um, has knows Machop very well in terms of his play on the field, follows the academy really closely and, and knows all about him. So I would definitely defer to him on in terms of what he offers. What I think is really interesting about this signing is kind of the way that it it really kind of proves as a, a proof of concept of how you can use the collegiate system as like an extension mm-hmm. of your academy, right? Like if you have an academy player who's set to graduate at 18 years old, you don't necessarily have to sign them to a homegrown player deal. You can let them go and continue their development in college. And I think that in the case of Machop Chol, he's a guy who is like tall, lanky. He just needed some more time to really kind of get that playing time. He has professional weight facilities at, at a esteemed university like Wake Forest, where he can improve his body. Um, those types of things can be really helpful for a young player and I think for Atlanta United it just gives them a little bit more time gives them a little bit more flexibility on the timeline of who what homegrowns they want to bring into the squad and things like that and it just gives them more time to assess how good these players are and how they perform at that level so I just think that it's really an interest, interesting signing uh, from that perspective that it's just kind of a, an, uh, an extension of the way they can use their academy and Carlos Bocanegra said he would have been a top 15 pick in the draft if he, if he were eligible. Yeah you got to kind of learn to game the system a little bit mm-hmm. and I, I think the I think the the platonic ideal of what you actually want to do and these kind of things is exactly what Philadelphia has done in just jettisoning every single draft pick in exchange yeah. for money and you know uh, using your homegrowns to to facilitate everything else. But Atlanta tried to do this essentially and failed at it in a good way. Which like anyone coming to Atlanta United and failing up is kind of an mo <laughs> at this point over the last year and a half. It feels like, but Atlanta United gets rid of their first round draft pick. 
pick to DC for 125k in GAM, some other allocation money kind of stuff. Um, was projected to take this kid, Josh Bauer, at five. Didn't do that obviously because they traded the pick. Hung out for a while, showed up at pick 31. Josh Bauer still just sitting there <laughs> hanging out, playing on like a Nintendo DS or something while he's just waiting for Atlanta United to come pick him up. So Atlanta United does get the player they actually want in the draft. It's a center back again. His name's Josh Bauer. He's from the University of New Hampshire, Mac kid and again every indication was that this was a guy that the teams were going to want that he was the best mm-hmm. center back in the draft is what travis clark from yep. pro soccer usa or top door soccer excuse me said about him and he's extremely well connected to these kind of things so uh, a win for Atlanta united even when they were trying to go against the grain yeah you got you got decent talent and i think with both of these players even though josh bauer was projected to be the the best center back in the draft and whatnot um you know both of these guys are definitely just kind of you throw them into your development system see how they mm-hmm. shake out see how they kind of compare against the other guys in the academy it's one of the things you know somebody uh, uh sporting 24244 atl uh he sent in a question for us um I can respect that because I have numbers in my I have numbers in my uh, <laughs> handle as you well. Do, uh, he says, "Does MLS draft still value uh, still even have value um, through rookie contracts or are not guaranteed or something like that?" I misread that. I can't read. Um, but you know, MLS the draft draft picks are just such a crapshoot that really I think Atlanta United is playing this the right way, where it's like if you want to draft players, you throw them into your development system. If not, to your point, like with what Philadelphia was doing, essentially a draft pick should be viewed at at should be viewed as like free capital from the given to you from the league. The league mm-hmm. gives you, you know, this opportunity to either draft a player, but you can convert those picks into capital that you could use in the form of allocation money to get, uh, you know, uh, Jurgen Dam under the TAM threshold or something like that. You know, you could use mm-hmm. it any way. So it's just can, how can you manipulate that value the best you can? Maybe sometimes the best way to do it is to draft a, a player that you like that's on the board. But um, I think it's really interesting to see what Atlanta United is doing. I think it's the smart move. I think it's smart move too. And Atlanta United, Travis Clark went back through and graded all the teams on their draft day. And Atlanta United got an A. I laughed though because Philadelphia was the only team to get an A plus. That's, <laughs> that's from Travis Clark, the guy who's the guy who know, scouts all the players who scouts all the players he's like nah y'all fuck them okay <laughs> y'all just do your homegrowns um so maybe that's the maybe that's the play out eventually but it does it is on a case-by-case basis and i think carlos kind of hit at that when we talked to him during the draft i forget who asked that question but he did kind of talk about it is on a case-by-case basis what they want to do <laughs> I, we all got to talk to carlos and then we got to talk to i think this is where joe was about to oh go my with this. Gosh. no no actually hero. i was just gonna say no? i thought it was kind of funny carlos somebody asked him like if they like why Bauer dropped so much or if he expected it and he was just like it's MLS Yes, it's just the way that these things go. That's the answer for everything. But yeah, the real gold was the real gold. Alita McFadden, a midfielder from Notre Dame. He was just a surprise to the rest of us to be there. I think <laughs> genuinely, um, he did. Yeah. He said at one point, "There's like, yeah, I didn't even know I was going to get drafted today. You didn't have to enter into the draft, so I just kind of got a message that I've been drafted and got told to come here." <laughs> Get on the computer. Cool. And do a yeah. press conference. Exactly. From what was clearly like the basement of his yeah. college apartment. There's like a dartboard in the background. He probably had to like shuffle all the natty lights out of the way in the background. Yeah. 
So incredible stuff for Maiden. I think that video is out there somewhere. He had a, a golden, golden press conference and we may never hear so, from him again, but we'll Fl- always have that Aiden. Our friend Felipe Cardenas at the athletic uh, is from South Bend. So he's familiar with all like the college, like, you know, um, restaurants and like pizza joints, which he was seen particularly focused on getting, getting uh, McFadden's opinion on what was the best pizza place. And I really appreciated McFadden's answer, which was whichever one is closest. That's the pizza place I also like. <laughs> whichever one <laughs> can get pizza into my mouth the fastest. <laughs> really like half the press Incredible. conference was about how much he loves pizza. Which is beautiful. Which is all we can ask from a new player. We're going to have to ask a lot from another new player, though. Coming in, it appears CL Merlo has confirmed this. It looks like Franco Ibarra, 19-year-old midfielder. I forget which club. Argentinos Juniors. Jordan, that's yep, that's right. And he will be coming in soon we have to assume mm-hmm. uh kind of has a little bit of six in them kind of have a little, a little bit of eight in them people seem a little unsure about that there's no youtube footage that's how dare you call thing. him a six he's an eight how dare yeah, you call so him an eight he's yeah a six. we're not, we're not doing this. <laughs> There's no YouTube footage as far as I think someone found so like a minor thing of him. So we don't know. We're, we're very in the dark. How can we tell how good he is if we don't see him dribbling past people set Despacito? I don't know. We'll just have to wait. <laughs> yeah, um, I have seen some like analytics account. Uh, it was Smarter Scout put out a mm-hmm. um kind of a profile of him just like how he rates and to me he seems like a kind of a mo adams type of player which i tweeted this yesterday he's just kind of i i consider him like that kind of player in terms of a guy mm-hmm. who has a lot of energy can run around the field can obviously get you know up and down um good tackler he seems like he's like got a, got a lot of bite in the tackle i think he's picked up a couple red cards uh at argentinos juniors maybe a little bit reckless but i think atlanta united could use that kind of player who wants to get stuck in <laughs> and i think more broadly, I think that this signing is, should be viewed less in terms of like, OK, what what is a bar good at? Who should he play next to? What formation does he, do we need to play in for a bar? You know, like all that kind of stuff. And just think more along the lines of this is the kind of midfield bastard that a guy like Gabriel Heinze probably wants to have in his squad. Like he probably wants a whole squad of, you know, m- not a whole squad, but, you know, he probably likes this kind of. Uh, midfielder that he can he feels like this is a player he can develop and that kind of thing so um and i'm sure that heinze probably had some you know well I, I shouldn't say i'm sure but i would imagine that he would have had some input into what he thinks of him considering that there is such so little about out there about uh abara so um yeah i think he, I, I have no reason to think that he's going to be good or bad really but uh, i think mm-hmm. that we'll just see kind of where he fits in i think that again carlos talks about this all the time when there are new players brought in but he will just bring competition um and so i think that that will be good for players like mo adams players like eric rometty i think that that will just kind of you know it just helps everybody compete a little bit more for their place and it makes everybody better players yeah that's kind of my gut feeling on this it is kind of maybe not a depth piece but someone who can at least push people i don't think this is the last i don't think this is the end i don't think this is just the final point b of atlanta united summer sign or offseason signings as far as midfielder and maybe getting in a destroyer type player i just in my gut i don't think this is the end but i may end up being very wrong about that no i think you're right i mean i think that this team still could use a real press resistant player like darlington nagby was Uh, a Mm -hmm. player that you know leandro gonzalez perez and other players talked about this specifically but a player that you can just give the ball to as a solution to a problem right like just like give Mm -hmm. them the ball and then everything's good that's still kind of the player that atlanta united's missing i think that obviously they, they kind of 
hope to have that type of player in Emerson Hyman and and that's not working out. But if you look at the numbers right now in midfield, there are a lot of bodies there. You've got mm-hmm. Rometty, um, Abara, who we expect to come in, Hyman, Rosetto, uh, Mo Adams. So like you've got a lot of bodies. I'm not sure all of those guys will still be here come the start of the season. I think that you might need to move some of them out. But as to who, you know, who exactly it would be, I think that I don't even know if Atlanta United would know exactly who that is right now. Um, just depends on what the market, you know, on the market and if any of those players are, are wanted by other teams. But um, there certainly are are plenty of bodies there. But I think that they still could use that quality of a, a press resistant player, like you said. Yeah, you got to have someone on the top in there. If you just have a bunch of average dudes, you don't really have much of anything, mm-hmm. I don't think. So maybe a borrow is an average. Maybe we're wrong on that. But remember that in Heinz's system, that defensive midfielder, that, that one who drops back into possession back three is very important in distribution, everything like that. There's going to be a lot asked of our midfielders. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, Moreno has also been a player. People would categorize him as a number eight, Um, Mm -hmm. but he's really not a player who will keep the ball. He's a player who will want to take players on and dribble. So um, I would categorize him differently as like an attacking midfielder, even though he might play more box to box. He's just not going to be that guy who's in that Darlington Nagby style. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that's all the news. Was that everything? I think we got everything. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I just spilled coffee on my keyboard. If you saw me uh, lurch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The magic of, of YouTube. This yeah. is incredible. First show. First show. First show. Just dropping shit. All right. We're not going to drop your questions. We're going to hold on to them. We're going to cling to them tightly. Mm-hmm. You guys have asked them. Mm-hmm. We're finally finally going to get back to answering questions right here right now on the show and we're going to start with a question from matt wojo i missed messing up people's names in the in the question thing (laughs) i I love well i've already done it once today so (laughs) it'll become a recurring theme on the show of course he he asked how big a role will leech lopez play at 37 what type of forward is he and this is the problem with the questions i'm remembering now because we kind of already answered this didn't we yeah yeah we i think we've answered some of these uh, scroll down on our run sheet we've there's there's a few a couple more at the bottom actually like five more we can answer i'll start i'll, I'll read the question joey uh at giletto as in terms of roster building who are we expecting the club to part with by the end of the season i guess we kind of already talked about that as well it's hard to tell really um but i think they would be willing to part with quite a bit of just about uh, anybody yeah like <laughs> <laughs> It sounds bad, but I I really think they need to reduce the numbers um, in central midfield. Like, absolutely. Again, with with Emerson Heinemann, it's just like you would love to get rid of that salary. You know, like if you could part with that salary, I think that it would be really nice. It would give the club a lot of a lot more options. Um. (laughs) Dude, I I saw something today that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I I looked up Jordan Morris's contract in 2019 because I was trying to put something together on him for the newsletter that I do every day for MLS and the mother. And Jordan Morris's salary in 2019 was like 690, 690k. Wow. Which I mean, is still that's 250 short yeah. of what we we think Emerson that's a steal. is yeah. getting right now. Yeah. Isn't that a, that's just wow? Neat. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be complaining about this for years. It's gonna be phenomenal. Um, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Yeah. No, it's cluttered. It's cluttered. There's too many. There's a log jam. There's too many people. You got to kind of clear it out. Yeah. And let some dudes get comfortable and let some dudes shine. And, you know, there's just not some space for it. And if you can clear any cap room like that, then more power to you. But again, I, my thing with Heinemann is I still don't know who's going to take him. I really, really don't know. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hard to find a suitor for him with that salary. So um, 
So maybe you just roll with him and and maybe try to clear space elsewhere. Who knows? But it just seems to me like the roster is a little bloated right now in some areas. It's going to get cut. And I don't think anyone's going to be mourning too many losses. It's not going to be like the the 2019 offseason where we seem to lose fan favorites every other day. It's not going to quite be that, unfortunately. (laughs) But uh, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting to to see how this still plays out. There's just a long way to go. It feels like everything's so weird right now. I think it's just so weird. Yeah, we are still like kind of in a holding pattern because of that CBA situation. I really Mm -hmm. think once that gets solved, I think we're going to start seeing deals go left and right. I I think we're going to really start seeing things happen. But until then, it's just hard for teams to kind of really plan and know what, what, you know, not only for the salary this year, but down the road, Mm -hmm. because that's really what this, uh, what this impacts. Well, even going back to what Seattle was talking about, their GM, Garth Lagerway was talking about, yeah, we didn't really have any money. (laughs) Right. What? (laughs) Y'all, y'all just ran to went to MLS Cup and, and you know lost, but still, I mean, they they got that far with one of the best teams in the league, it's probably easily the best team in the league, and they didn't have any money. And they're like, yeah, we needed these two signings we just gave away to to get us back and in, into the right spot. So if they're struggling right now, you can imagine what other teams are doing as they try to figure out and navigate what's going on. It's it's interesting, which kind of leads well, us to this next yeah. question. But go ahead, Joe. Well, I was gonna, thankfully because we have an owner like Arthur Blank who's just has such massive amounts of wealth. Um, thankfully we, we being at Atlanta United are not in that situation where it's like, Mm -hmm. you have to make a literal budget, um, that there's, you know, there, there's an operating budget essentially for this team that is plentiful. So we're in a good spot, which leads us to the next thing from Jeff Akana who says, can you guys discuss the likelihood of the remaining possibility of a Marino pay down plus DP signing? And this is where my thought comes in with a borrow potentially just being like kind of a depth piece. I I think the DP signing is going to come. I think that plan to buy Marino has been in the works for a while i don't think the dp is eric lopez which i think some people have suggested i really really don't i hope Mm -hmm. not i think i think the next thing's coming well now that we have some more details reporting from tenorio it really does feel like eric lopez will be slotted in as one of those u22 players like that that Mm -hmm. makes total sense now um now that we know what the what the details of that u22 initiative are uh yeah i mean i think that marino I, i think that he will get paid down if they find that player to bring in I don't think I don't think that that's necessarily 100 percent the case that that's going to happen. It seems like Tiago or uh, Agustin Almendra is going to be staying at Boca. Um, Atlanta United lost out in the Moises uh, Saicedo sleep sweepstakes. So they're you know, they, they, they haven't gotten a couple players that we think they were targeting. So if that player that they really trust and, you know, these DP signings are obviously super important for like what we were just discussing with Garth Lagerway, like these have real money impacts. Um, If they can't find that player, then they don't have to buy down Moreno. Like, you know, they just won't. But, um, and that would give them more flexibility in the middle of the roster to, you know, sign somebody. But I think that if they want to, if they do find that player, they really want that that will happen. I think that essentially it will be possible to pay Moreno down if they, if they need to do that, which, I think they kind of need to. <laughs> so <laughs> I do too. We I, we talked about it. We we, mm. we both think that yeah that that kind of um, press resistant player will be a DP player essentially. You would hope so. You would hope so. Um, it also kind of leads us to our next thing from Seattle Football, which I think this is one of the most interesting questions we've been asked in a while. So thank you, TF. He asked, "What's something you think the team will be worse at in 2021 compared to 2020?" And my initial thought was nothing, and then I went <laughs> goalkeeper. Question mark? Uh, maybe. Brad yeah. Gazan's like a year getting, older. Just getting a little know. older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not, yeah. right? Other than that, God, if this team is worse, it really 
anything, would, something's yeah. gone wrong. I, right? My answer to this question is discipline, like in terms of bookings and things like ah. that. I think that this team will be, you'll see guys get sent off more, um, more yellow card suspensions, things like that with, you know, with the nature of Gabriel Einze, the way that, you know, both tactically and just personally, the way he wants his teams to play. Um, that's what I would think. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I was about to say, is that a detriment? <laughs> yeah, but um, but in terms of like, yeah, on the score sheet uh, or on the, you know, the stat sheet, technically it's worse, I guess, to, exactly. to get red cards. Exactly. So we, we talked about Franco Ibarra's discipline record, too. It was very Leandro Gonzalez Perez-esque, which is yeah. both exciting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> so but I, I'm here for it, honestly, like you said, and I, I think we've talked about it a lot. Again, going back to the thing where Carlos Carmona was such a fun player to kind of take part in watching and to see him do things on the field that were just screwing with people, essentially, <laughs> you know, it was a blast. And so to have that kind of edge again is going to be fun. I think that's a good call, Joe. I like that. Next question comes to someone who will not be on the field because we finally figured out what's going on with this. And I, I'm glad someone asked this because I think everyone has been asking this who's kind of attached to the team and wants to know what's the next step. Scott Howerton asked, what's going on with Gutman? Do you think he'll be in camp, stay with Celtic, or was it just a rights move? Yeah. It was just a rights move. Yeah, essentially. Um, Carlos Bocanegra addressed this uh, during the press conference he did after the draft, saying that essentially they have his rights, but he's still a Celtic player right now. Um, that said, there was a report from a very questionable account saying that he will be <laughs> leaving Celtic like in June or yeah, I guess that would be at the end of their season. You know, I've been thinking about that a little bit more. And I think that here, here's here's my theory behind the Gutman thing. Uh, when he was first signed, people were like immediately like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with Bellow? Because it seems like he would be like the mm. replacement. I think having Gutman's MLS rights is like the Bellow cover where if a team comes in in the summer and makes Atlanta United an offer that they can't refuse for Bellow, like a like a 10 to 15 million dollar offer, then at least you have Gutman there where you can go and buy Gutman and bring him to the team. Um, and especially if, if Celtic go and, you know, he's out of contract, then that would work, too. But I think that he's kind of the backup cover for Bello um, and not necessarily like the planned replacement or at least the way that people were thinking about it when the when the deal initially went down. That's my thinking. I think it's a great thought. I think it's a very good thought. Uh, I do have some news on Bello. I believe I'm, I'm saying this right. I think I looked at it very, very quickly. But him and Miles Robinson called up to the That's correct. MNT. Am I correct? Yeah, they're in the roster. We don't know if they'll play in the game yet against Trinidad mm-hmm. and Tobago this week or, or maybe it's next week. I forget when the game is. I think it's I don't like know. Thirty first, I think, is when it is. Okay, um, but yeah, hopefully they get to play. I, I hope. Uh, can't wait to see him. I mean, I think it's been a long time coming for. I mean, Miles has already made an appearance for the national team, but a long time coming for Bello, even though he's only what nineteen yeah. years old now. But uh, <laughs> hopefully this he deserved is not it when he was sixteen years old. Damn it! No, I'm just. Yeah. Uh, no, good for him. I'm really happy for him. Exactly. And that's that's become a very crowded position at, at fullback for yeah. the U.S. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of progresses as he goes. And I think he's facing off against people like um, Julian Araujo and the, the kid from Fulham, whose name I can't remember right now, and other people. Um, so Anthony Robinson. That's Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes going forward. Um, keep in mind that there's always going to be fun rumors popping up about him as we kind of move forward, uh, which is a good tease for an interview I did with Tom Bogert of the Mothership, who does all of the transfer news for MLS and has become a big voice in that. Uh, check out that interview when you get a chance. I don't think we're doing that at the end of this episode. Maybe we are. No, I'm, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw it on. I'm gonna, it'll, that'll be in the second part. We're actually we're about to go to break. I'll just finish it up here. We're about to throw it to break. Um, and we'll come back with uh, what, what did you talk about with Tom? 
we talked I haven't about, even listened to it yet. We, you've, we you've sent wanted it to me. you, the dear dear listeners, dear readers, to have a, a media literacy grasp of transfers in the transfer market and not paying attention to people like Will Forbes, quotation marks, if that is his <laughs> real name, and other things like that. We wanted Charlie you to Kennan? understand. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> we wanted you to understand the transfer process from a media perspective and hopefully have you be a little more educated on how to parse through all the noise that comes with transfer season. Not to say that it isn't fun to follow every single rumor, but it can also lead to stomach ulcers. And we don't want that. <laughs> so, well, that's perfect. That's what we about. It's perfect considering the situation Atlanta United's in right now. Um, exactly. Did exactly. want to say also before we go to break, uh, just shout out to Lucid FC, who continues to be a great sponsor, uh, presenting mm-hmm. sponsor of this podcast for us. Uh, check them out at lucidfc.us. I, they're going to have new lines of clothes and all kinds of stuff coming out this year. Um, that you, they, there may still be a sale and I don't even know it off the top of my head from, from, uh, their winter Christmas type sale. So, um, but anyways, check them out. You can follow them at lucid FC, uh, just search it on Twitter. I'm sure you'll find it. They've got cool stuff they put out occasionally. So, um, looking forward to what they've got next and thank you to them for, uh, for continuing to be a great partner for us. So with that out of the way, let's throw it to break and then get to, uh, Sam's interview with Tom Bogert. And now for something completely different. We do have Tom Bogert from... I do want to clarify, is it Bogart or, or is there, are we, are we pronouncing that right? You got, you got that right. Thank you very much. We had a, we had a question come in from a reader the other day and I was like, I have no idea actually. And that's rude because I've been calling him Bogart this entire time. Um, you would have heard from me. It was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the, the king of sources over there from the mothership, uh, Thomas Carl carved himself out an extremely quality niche over there uh, in soccer Twitter. And, and now beyond he's even, he's beaten some of the, the more famous uh, scoops guys to post i forget that dude's name who everyone always talks about it's like the the watch of soccer but you beat him to a brian reynolds thing uh, the other day um so pretty solid pretty solid um we brought tom here today to help you dear listener out in a media literacy sense we're going to call this a soccer media literacy sense and we really kind of want you to understand as we go through a transfer season as the united rumors start coming in for people like franco abara uh, me and joe will touch on that later and things like that we want you to understand how to kind of process that and understand uh, which sources to trust and why you should trust them perhaps um so tom i kind of wanted to start with just the general process behind finding sources and, and behind getting sources that are, are quality and that you can trust and you can understand that if you put this information out in the world that x player is coming to x team um why that's valuable and, and why that's valid so yeah in my end it starts it's it's relationship building it's finding people you trust and it's earning their trust it's you know doing the walking the tightrope as i like to uh, be self-deprecating it's walking the tightrope of trying to do my job but also not pissing people off you know like you can't be like i'm not looking to get every signing that everybody ever makes because then why would you keep answering me if i'm just a headache every time i reach out to you so it's uh it's a fine line and and i've found that my brand of self-deprecation works pretty well because it starts with i know anybody i talk to what the hell do they get out of it you know like right. they could be doing so many other things that includes just turning their phone off for five minutes because these you know power brokers in, in global soccer and mls they're on their phones constantly with you know whatsapp and 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 zoom now particularly the advent of zoom there, there are no barriers between working from home and, or, and not working um 
I always joked or like around the holidays talking to people like, Hey, hopefully you'll be able to turn your phone off for three hours uh, for Christmas dinner or, or whichever uh, holiday of choice that you have, or, Hey, on new year's Eve, maybe, maybe at 9 PM, you'll just get to have three hours of celebrating it. And then maybe, you know, at one or 2 AM, if you're still awake and Europe's waking up again, maybe then you can go back to work. But, um, you know, I, I have a immense respect for these guys and the time. And so I try to be as brief as possible, get in, get out and, you know, make sure that they know I, I care about them too. And, and it's, not just a business transaction. And I think that that's kind of the sweet spot that I've uh, gotten lucky with. Well, I do want to clarify, are the sources mostly, are they agents or are they people behind the scenes? Who is kind of the go-to contact for these kind of situations? All of the above. It's, and again, it's whoever you get the, the best um, relationships with. And, and you have to talk to everybody. You have to try to talk to everybody because... If you're running something that's just from an agent, then you're getting that version of the story and that spin of the story. Or if you're running something that's just from um, a front office person or a head coach or hell, even a player's father as <laughs> some people <laughs> run solely based on one player's father in this one very specific transfer um, that, that has been uh, encapsulating the league. Um, and that is, you know, no good because again, you just get one person's kind of spin and view on it. So you talk to everybody you can you try to and hell like some as though they won't sometimes they won't answer and sometimes they won't want to talk about it and, and you know another rule of thumb is trying to figure out like who has something to gain by talking about this you know so that's why a lot of times when people report about interest like, like who is this benefiting is it the club is this the player etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know those you start with who you think is more likely to talk and then you just climb up the ladder <laughs> well talk a bit about just the discretion process with with going through i mean you have people all the time i see people in the in the comments and the replies of any kind of rumor going like, well, this is just the agent putting this out there to, to bump up the price, all that kind of thing. How do you kind of make the call on your end to say, no, I'm, I'm maybe not going to run this. This is just you bumping something up or maybe it's legit. <laughs> yeah. You, you, the first rule of thumb would be you can't run everything you hear because there are going to be instances in that where there's, again, there's going to be a, a mantra or a reason behind somebody telling you something. And if, and if you can't get it verified, then you have to kind of push back a little bit harder be like hey like what, what's your motive here like are you just using a media member to try to further something or is this how far away from the real truth is this is this <laughs> you spinning it or is this completely false because those are two different things as well because there there can be scenarios where you're i guess technically being used but if the information is correct then that's something different and then again that comes down to trust and that comes down to um you know your own belief like <laughs> like in the beginnings of me reporting this reynolds the brian reynolds story in specific when i was told by people about like, I, I had to hear it from three different people about Juventus first. I was like, you like stop, like stop wasting my time. Like tell me if, if I'm bothering you, stop giving me fake news and fake, <laughs> fake reports or whatever. Like it's, you, you think I'm that stupid <laughs> to believe this? And it's like, no, and it's not just Juventus. It's AC Milan, Inter Milan. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I'm like, Oh my God. It, it really is all these teams. This kid who had one MLS start before August 15th is, you know, on the radar of all the biggest clubs in the world. And, and so, you know, <laughs> you just have to kind of flesh things out and, and be like, oh, wow, this is actually true. Well, I mean, that, I think that's the thing that people don't really understand is that normally if you have someone um, who's doing the proper journalism, doing everything right, this is usually coming from multiple sources, right? It's a, it's not just going to be one person, you know, you yeah. have to come back and, and verify it and everything like that. I feel like a lot of people maybe don't understand that at all. Mm -hmm. Almost exclusively always, but, and then I'm forthright too. If, if I am running something that's off an insanely trusted one source, like I will write source singular rather than sources 
is plural. Um, and it's just like a little thing and people probably don't catch it. And, and regardless, and like, I probably put too much emphasis on my mind, but like, even, I feel dishonest, even just, you know, changing a singular to a plural, if, if that's not totally true. So usually it's almost always two sources, but in rare occasions, um, again, when the relationship is there, when, or if you see documents, stuff like that, then, then you can kind of go with one. What kind of documents would be, be, be able to kind of look at and take anything from and maybe report on that? Uh, how do you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, you said you kind of take some stuff from documents every now and then. Um, what kind of documents pop up that you can trace back and, and report on credibly? Um, it's, sometimes it's nice to verify offers and interest with official things on club letter, letterheads because I've, uh, one thing that, that I always say too, it's like, I don't want to be the guy who, like I, I'll report on interest and stuff because when, again, when it's factual, it's true. But if, if all I'm doing is saying blank club is interested in blank player, et cetera, like that starts to get more and more flimsy because how do you disprove interest? How, how can somebody <laughs> formally say that's not mm-hmm. true? So then if, if all I'm ever doing is this club is interested in this player, then that's not great reporting. And why would any kind of trust me on anything because again like how could i be proven wrong but like when you start to put like your neck on things like recently uh a couple of days ago with say uh jesus mario resigning with with uh, lafc that was okay this deal is done and like that's my name my name's on this i think there's there's no medical that could be failed there's no paperwork that won't like all that's done and like i have this from multiple sources and this is and like and then there's a little variation to that too like and same thing like i reported on the vancouver whitecap signing that hasn't been announced yet and um, at, at last I heard when I was reporting it a couple weeks ago was that it was close but not done. And what I was comfortable with running was that the Whitecaps are finalizing the transfer. So again, there, there are differences to me. And I I've, like I maybe I have a different opinion to what the words the word done means than than other people. And that sounds like I'm I'm trying to take like a veiled shot at somebody, but I'm not. It's it's one and one. I use done as in that's it. Like the, the, this is binary, black or white. It's done. Deal in principle is when you know it's agreed upon but you know there's a medical and paperwork deals fall fall apart all the time at that stage so i just try to cover myself by okay agreed to a deal in principle because what if they find something in the medical or, or what if the paperwork is isn't filed or what if you know something crazy happens at the last minute like there's been i've heard horror stories of people reporting stuff in europe where they they have the pictures of the guy holding up the jersey and 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 saying you know, the quotes that are about to come out when the signing is announced and then seeing stuff from the medical and being okay this deal is done and and then for whatever reason with you know right at the end there it, it, something falls apart and and that's something that i'm trying to keep my record at 100 percent for as long as i can so I, I i'm cautious to only report things that are done when they're done we mentioned that the workaround for that is just saying that a team is interested you know you see stuff all the time about you know whatever x team is interested in very very popular player um who, that may have happened a little bit with uh, moises casado uh who lane united um, maybe probably definitely was interested in due mm. to baller, uh, but maybe d- didn't really have a chance against some of the premier league teams and stuff like that. But you're constantly competing against folks who have maybe anonymous accounts who just say, you know, uh, this team is interested and then yeah. get it completely wrong. It's a super interesting thing. I think in, in a journalism perspective so that you were competing against people who maybe aren't even using real names, like to, to, to verify their accounts. They're like MLS.transfers.buzz69420, you know, and it's just not going to be the same kind of credible information, but people still buy into it. Um, so you have to compete in that ecosystem 
Um, You're driving as well because you you just teed me up and then not only teed me up for something that you knew I was going to get absolutely stuck into, but you kind of held it in front of me. So you'd be like, all right, you got to work. Okay. Like, and then like, I'm, I'm ready to sprint out of the cage and, and like Steven Gerrard against Manchester United in his final season when he started <laughs> the and 30 seconds in, he just clatters uh, mm-hmm. onto her hair and gets a red card like that. You just kind of built me up right there. Yeah. That is my biggest pet peeve is like these fake accounts or whatever accounts and mostly fake rather than real people, but just real people do it, you know, taking other people's work and claiming it as your own. And, you know, it's, it's easy to try to do that when say there is a report that nobody's seen that's coming out of Belgium and you're the first person to see it about Mark McKenzie. So you say, according to my sources, Mark McKenzie. And then because you're the person that has a couple followers in America, they're, you, they see yours first just because you're the one who had the Google alerts on insert player and insert team. And then you start to traffic and be like, look, I got this right. I got this right. Or you do the thing where you say, when everybody starts to theorize, oh, Greg Vanny would make a lot of sense for uh, the LA Galaxy. Like sources say, this is happening. And look, I got this right. I got this right. Like you just throw as much shit at the wall as you possibly can. And once in a while, you're going to get it right. Because again, with the Greg Vanny thing, everybody guessed that. Everyone knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's, it's, it, it, and it made a sense. It was, it's a great hire. And then like, it's, it's the same thing with, again, insert anything else. Like the more, if you keep throwing shit at the wall and then deleting the ones that are wrong. And if people are gullible enough to continue to retweet it and, and believe, you know, fake accounts and stuff, and, and it's just my biggest frustration. And I try not to stand on a pedestal with like the, well, you should only believe me or a few other people because that's not cool either. But like, how many times are you going to believe somebody who consistently gets things wrong? How many times are you going to fall for this stupid stuff? Oh my God. And like, and then even with the Reynolds stuff, I, I report the Roma things and I've been saying for a month, no deal is done. No deal is done. No deal is done. And then I report Roma um, the other day and some of the comments are like, oh, like this saga won't end. Like I thought he was going to Juve, like wait, like whatever. I'm just going to wait till there's an official announcement. Like don't let other people's mistakes cloud your judgment of me. I didn't get anything wrong. So believe <laughs> me when I say, and like, I know that you need to build up a reputation, but like, stop hitting me with other people's mistakes. It's not my goddamn fault. Like, just trust me if, if you decide that I'm worthy of your trust and just don't trust everything you see. Ah. <laughs> Incredible. That's something that, I mean, that's kind of why we're here, right? To, to help out the dear listeners here on our, on our podcast. We want you to be an educated bunch, right? Um, so and, and I'm sure they appreciate being talked down to by a clown like me with this, this <laughs> clown nose and clown mustache. So sorry, I don't take myself this seriously, but it's, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. And I'm going to, I'm going to revert back to shit posting and, and making fun of myself. <laughs> well, again, we teed it up for you. We teed it up for you. I, I brought you on for that specific purpose. Um, but I guess the question is then um if you if you were out there in the crowd listening to five strike final of all podcast for for some reason um how do you how do you distinguish um what, what are the kind of general guidelines you want to be looking at if you were seeing something on twitter and it's from mls transfers or what the fuck ever you know um how are you going to be able to, to verify it if you're a reader you start with just and and this makes enjoying the transfer market so much easier and so much better and i kind of had this realization thankfully pretty early and before like, i really i got into this it was in like at some point in high school i finally as, as a big liverpool fan i finally stopped believing every transfer rumor i saw and oh my god it, it made everything so much better and so much less stressful and so much more fun like I, I found like for liverpool specifically like you find the people you trust james pierce melissa reddy um why am i struggling to name other guys? there's neil jones there's there's a handful of liverpool writers where i don't believe it until they say it and i don't not only just don't believe it i don't get worked up about it 
I don't think about it much. And it, it was awesome. And like, sometimes that puts me behind the curve because no, none of those people were reporting that Thiago Alcantara was coming to Liverpool um, until it was a few days away. And then there were credible reports out of Germany and other places that were saying it early. And then every time a friend would send me something, I was like, yeah, right. Like I'll believe it when somebody that I believe reports it. And so sometimes it puts you behind, but I'd rather that than just getting worked up over every single insert this rising player to Liverpool. And, and, and it just makes it so much better. And when it comes to the MLS world, like, like I don't want to start naming names of, of the best guys and, and women because I don't want to forget somebody and then feel like I deliberately left them out. But just a few people off the top of my head that like Sam Stageville, Paul Tenorio, like Jeff, Jeff Ruder, like Felipe Cardenas. I'm just naming athletic guys right now, but like particularly those guys, like Sam's my mentor and like he's helped kind of lay out a path for me too. That's I've just pretty much I always ask him for advice and stuff. And like you find the people you trust and you find the people who get it right and don't either report on every single thing they hear or or particularly like as Sam board like doesn't doesn't do too much of like interest either. Like he because he's such a he's an assassin and he comes in, he goes, bang, this is happening. And then all right, I'll see you next time. Like, bang, this is happening. And and you write it in stone. It's it's as if that's an official announcement. And and that's again, that's that's the kind of uh standard that I'm trying to push myself towards. And and again, there's there's so many fine people that report on MLS in particular, and I'm not gonna again, go trying to name them all because I, I don't want to accidentally leave anybody off, but you just find the people that you believe and, and the people who consistently get things right. And, and then you kind of go from there. Right. You don't have to work too hard for this. I think is the thing that a lot of people don't realize, like the, the sources are there, you know, mm-hmm. the people who are going to be right are there and it mm-hmm. saves you a lot of stress. Honestly, it really does. It's like the people we have to make a college football reference because this is a show based in Atlanta. Um, but it's like the people who follow recruiting uh, things. They're following the the daily whims of 16 year olds who don't even know, you know, what the fuck they're going to do for B period today, you know? So and, and, and with recruiting and these are, these are kids that um, I'm not big in, into this as nearly as you are, but from my understanding, they announce a lot of it themselves anyway. And, yeah, and they're, right. they're going to do it as soon as they possibly can. So it's not exactly a big lag time between, you know, rumor and, you know, a resolution, right? Exactly. Exactly. They may change their mind about five more times in between that and actually being on the team. Just don't worry about it. Just don't stress until they're on the team. You know, that that's the big thing, uh, but, but it is fun. There's an enjoyment to, yeah. you know, it's, it's a part of the sports experience and a particular part of the soccer experience is following transfer rumors and it's become this big market. And obviously Tom, you've been able to, you know, you know, make that a, carve out a niche journalistically with that, which is interesting, but something that happens that I think is very, maybe not entirely unique, but something that's pretty uh, substantial for Atlanta United is this idea of, um, you know, discovering transfers through basically what's like Argentine radio stations is how a lot of our rumors kind of come about and other things like that. Um, can you offer any advice to our listeners just about sussing out those kind of sources? Because I know that's very difficult, um, especially for folks like me who, who don't speak Spanish or anything like that, to, to kind of look at the sources and go, okay, does this person with 900 followers from Radio Deportivo 963 from Buenos Aires actually know anything or does he not? Is this a real radio station? <laughs> it might be. I don't, probably. That's what I'm saying. Like you read it like, oh God, it's, this, this is just a pit here. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah that, that's always something i get the idea too of like wanting to everybody loves to have the news first and, and tell their friends first like there's a reason why big fans of the nba and nfl have twitter notifications on for woge and Schefter because mm-hmm. they get to be the one that texts their friends like oh my god like james Harden's heading to brooklyn and like you get to be the one to, to do that so, and everybody wants to know things first and particularly in, in, a, in a down year for atlanta you find ho 
hope and solace in, in kind of the transfer rumors. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, Atlanta are a tricky one too, because they've been like pretty well kept at, at not letting anything get out before it's official, before I guess they want it to get out. Um, you know, CL Merlo is somebody who comes to mind with, as far as South American reporters. And like that dude mm-hmm. is, is, is based on my understanding is just top tier as well. He doesn't absolutely wrong. So that would be one, but you know, he's not going to have every, every report uh, around the Atlanta players. So it's, it's, it's uh, Atlanta United is a tricky one when it comes to that. Yeah. No, I'll say too that on DSS, um, we, we do usually do a pretty good job of making the distinction of yeah. whether or not it's yeah. a rumor or a report. Um, sometimes folks don't pay attention to that, but if you're listening, Correct. hopefully you pay attention to that and recognize that sometimes we have radio station 6.3, you know, um, <laughs> we'll put that as a rumor, but if CL Merlo comes in, um, that's a report on our end and we can usually put a lot of credibility in that. Um, but yeah, Tom, anything else you want to add, man, on, on transfer following in general, as we kind of move through the rest of the off season here? Ooh, I don't know. I had to think of, of again, studs on my soapbox. My pet is doing my <laughs> super serious, super journalism guy, uh, stand for too long. I, I miss being on here with me, you, Joe and Snaves making a, making crappy jokes and playing is this a Disney character or a <laughs> Academy player or whatever. So I like that more because I think that's, that's a more likable version of me than, than I've displayed mm-hmm. over the last 15 minutes here. <laughs> so I hope that people can, uh, can refer to my larger pool of work of, of not taking myself too seriously. No, mm-hmm. I came up strident, obnoxious, super serious, super journalism guy, 15 minutes here. If, and if anybody stuck through the entire interview, <laughs> appreciate that. I love it. And maybe they can, and get to know you on a more personal level. Um, Tom, where can folks follow you and where can folks check out your work? Uh, Twitter, at Tom Bogart, and then uh, just anywhere on MLSTalk.com, you're bound to find my name. He's there all the time. The entire front page is usually just Tom <laughs> stuff at this point. So keep checking it out. Go follow him. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah.